podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. Thank you for joining us on the Who's Place Who's Cast. We're season three, episode four. I am your host, Val Prohaska, and as always, I'm joined by our producer and founder, Seattle Who. Welcome, Seattle. Thanks, Val. Uh, as always, it's great to be here, and it's even better to be here when we have a whooping of UNC to talk about. All right, I guess I wouldn't call a three-point win a whooping, but what the hell, right? Well, you know, we, we checked a lot of boxes. We answered a lot of problems, and, you know, several more cropped up. But, yeah, anytime you beat UNC, it's a whooping. And it was kind of an interesting take. You know, we were going to – we're in f- year five of the Bronco Mendenhall rebuild. UNC's in year three of the Mac Brown rebuild. Really? And a store. Yeah. That was fast. So it seems like just last year worked. he was hired. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Wags are already pointing out the fact that UNC's had uh, 20 four and five star players recruited on this team, and Virginia has three. Mm-hmm. And we seem to constantly run into a star deficit. And on this day, we proved that the stars didn't necessarily matter. We jumped out you know we gave up a, a first run you know first the, on their opening drive they scored but for the second time in a row we answered it and we just played a really tough game and it was uh, a joy to watch uh, as if you've read Carl Hess's piece you know that this is the South's oldest rivalry mm-hmm. 125 years going on and all of a sudden, we've got a four-game winning streak against UNC. Yeah. So I'm always happy to celebrate that and, and revel in that. So, yeah, let's call it an ass-whooping, even though it really wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be winning games against them when, when they're back in their rankings again. It's always nice to, to beat ranked ACC opponents. And I, so at one point, it was, what, 41-20? to 20? 41 to 20 and hung on for everything. (laughs) (laughs) It it certainly came down that way, but they had speed and we couldn't answer it. They have a wide receiver named Deami Brown, who Mm -hmm. the early rest of the first five games of the season, had scored three touchdowns against us. He scored three touchdowns and we just we couldn't answer his speed. We put uh, a young man named Devonte Cross out on him. Sure, and it was kind of it was a mismatch. He just Cross doesn't have the speed. Uh, the staff apparently loves Cross, but it was a complete and total mismatch. And they just picked on Cross the whole time. And Brown was was free almost every time they went to him. So you know you have one wide receiver get three touchdowns. It's it's going to be a bad night, but ultimately, our line overwhelmed their line, our offensive line. You know, we pushed, we rushed for something like 200 yards. Mm-hmm. 210. Yeah, it was it was an all-around performance. Uh, Shane Simpson broke out. He had a pair of touchdowns, including a, a gorgeous 75-yard well catch and run, basically, and it was just a little flare pass out and he beat his man and then it was a foot race and he showed better speed than I thought he had and but you know Simpson looked tough all day long Wayne Tulipapa he's a beast 
Uh, he's not going to be the greatest running back ever, but if you need two yards, he does not stop churning his legs. And the multi-headed, you know, experiment at quarterback featuring, you know, the running of Gaetan Thompson continued. Uh, he had 12 or 14 carries, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we just we were able pass, to right? push their line around. Well, he threw one pass, although the announcers uh, noted he really has a tell. <laughs> he took off his glove uh, to do that, mm-hmm. so he's going to have to be careful in the future <laughs> that uh, you know if he keeps his glove on. It's it's a running play, but uh, nevertheless, he he did, and it should have gone for a touchdown, but it was it was just a little behind, and our receiver didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. But it was. But, you know, our, our line did what it's supposed to do. So we were we were struggling, and they scored 21 unanswered points. And we went on a, oh, basically a, um, a, a nine-minute drive. Now, it only ended up in a field goal, but when you've got a team scoring points for fun like North Carolina was in the second half, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clock management. You need to take control of it. And our offensive line just did the job. Uh, just constantly pushed North Carolina off the ball. And, you know, nine-minute drives are, are a rarity. Yeah, but it's just good it old-fashioned classic rushing. conservative football. Yeah. And sometimes so it is what you John need. Madden would have, well, it, it was what we needed then. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were able to... Um, just run out, you know, run out on them. They scored again, and then we got the ball, and it was tough. You know, they stopped us, but we went for it on fourth and a really long three. Now, this was the fourth time of the game that we were going for it on fourth down, and it was we lined up in a fake punt and short snapped it to Keaton Thompson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those of us who watched it, he just – he just would not be denied. He's he stands tall, but he got low, and he just stepped pushing, and he carried two North Carolina tacklers for three yards. We got five, and we were able to to run the clock. And if he hadn't made it, North Carolina would have had about a minute and a half left on the on the game clock. Now they were out of timeouts, but they were only you know it was about at the forty mm-hmm. forty five. Yeah. Yeah, the middle of the field. They were certainly within scoring range. That's ballsy as hell, and some would say crazy. And, you know, I think everybody's applauding the decision now, but had we not converted that, you know, you know, Men in Hall would be hearing it. Well, then those are the sorts of fans, that's the sort of criticism that he needs to ignore because North Carolina was on a roll. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it felt like, it was going to be, you know, Tom Brady doing one of his patented comebacks when he suddenly comes alive. Right. And they were alive, and I have no doubt whatsoever that they would have marched the length of the field. Uh, the previous touchdown they'd scored on us, you know, they went the length of the field in three plays. Right. You know, they, they had the big play push. And while we kept their, their great tandem of backs, you know, pretty quiet, uh, Javante Williams, who is uh, an absolute load, only got 54 yards, and their other guy Carter went for 64 yards. But 
he only had like nine carries. Mm-hmm. So they have the backs. The run defense has been has been strong this year. It's it's been in the past defense and especially on like third down that uh, the defense has been giving up all the points because the run defense actually I think I saw is just giving up like three point three yards a carry or something like that. Well, and and we did a really good job. It it what the running game for North Carolina is not what kept them in the game. Right. And they've got two. Yeah, how really only backs. missed five passes. Only five incompletions the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, once again, again our secondary is injured second year in a row. We've lost all our best defensive backs. And just like and 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 we're suffering, and and, and certainly they'll continue to get picked on, right? But uh, you know, like our we controlled the lines. You know, that's mm-hmm. typically the typically the winner. I mean, that's the battle within the the game is who's going to control the lines, and we mostly did. Um, you know, Snowden was just was and stunningly awesome. He had three sacks in the first six minutes of the wow. game. And ended up having four sacks for the four sacks for the day, and I think eleven tackles. He mm-hmm. was just he was just a beast, and so he, he was just he was just one of he was one of many uh, that played really well. So it was it was the kind of game that you know that that's going to reach out and grab you. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch, and you know stood still sitting in sort of an eerie stadium and you know you can just i mean it's just the sort of game that you know fans would have flooded the i think fans would have flooded the, the mm-hmm. field uh you know certainly we were one and four now the announcers said repeated several times in talks with virginia coaches and players that the players all felt they were much better than one and four and i would agree with that but you know one and four is you are what your record says you are, but I know for fans, yeah, Bill, Pars- we probably Bill Parcells fan. I don't know who said it first. Yeah, that's his famous know. line. He's been saying that since mid '80s. Yeah, and and you know that's true. That's that's you know we play the games and we're not playing games on paper. Right. You know the better teams don't always win. You are what you you are what you produce on the field. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it's, that as fans, we felt downtrodden, and I, I'm sure fans would have would have stormed that field. It was that exciting. It was that exciting a game, and you know we stood toe to toe with a team, like you said, that had been uh, favored to win, 15 in the rankings, great recruiting classes the last couple of years. You know the sorts of things that we're not getting, and. We beat them. You know, we, it was a good game plan. You know, the the quarterback thing. I mean, we're it, it's sandlot football out there. The ways that Robert and I, who's the offensive coordinator, is figuring out ways to you know get the ball into the hands of Katon Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and, it, we're, and we're not throwing it to him. We're not handing it off to him. But it's just how many different ways can he go in motion and get the ball? It, it's it's this big wheel, you know, that's spinning around and he's going to, you know, eventually he's going to get the ball. So I don't know if he's happy with his year, but we're certainly happy to have him. He had a great run for a touchdown. 
that uh, he popped out. You know, three of our three of our touchdowns. You know, our backs were were untouched. You know, which means you're winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. But he got the ball, and I think maybe it was Boljan had a great ceiling block, and you know, he just kind of coasted in from seven eight yards out untouched. And he's a he's a stud athlete, so trying to get him. Uh, reps and, and spots, you know, Ana is doing something that I haven't seen before. I mean, this is so far beyond the wildcat offense. It's it, it's not even funny. I mean, I don't watch that much football anymore, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything like it. But it, it really looks like, you know, what you or I would draw up if we were, you know, if we were, you know, 13, 14 years old, you know, playing football out, you know, behind the school. <laughs> How do we get it into this guy's hands? And yeah, I mean that's it, that's it, what Ana does. He 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 gets a line on who his best playmakers are, and then he figures out ways to get them the ball where they can make plays. And yeah, I know he gets a lot of criticism, and you know, he should he should run when he passes, and he should pass when he runs, and all that. But the the guy. I don't think over the course of several years in different schools that statistics lie. And, you know, pretty much he's had offenses everywhere that he's been that statistically do very well. And, you know, you look at what Virginia had in terms of offensive line the first couple of years and in the way that when we had Kurt Bankert, you know, who was a – Drop back passer. We did a lot of drop back passing and um, different kinds of passing, getting the balls to the wide receivers who were who were good. And then we have Bryce Perkins, and the offense is totally different. And now Perkins is gone, and you know he's getting he's finding different ways to get the ball to the players who are going to make the plays. And that, uh, you know, ultimately to me, that's as a coach what you're trying to do. Your players, you can make things happen. You give them the opportunity to make things happen. Uh, good coach. Well, that's good coach. Yeah, I mean that's the role of the coach. You know, is to mm-hmm. you know put your players in succeed in positions where they can succeed, and that hasn't happened enough this season, obviously. But um, you know, I, I I've been impressed uh, with the fight that we've had and the just the competitiveness. I don't think I think Brendan Armstrong, you know, can be said. Same thing that you know Bill Walsh famously said about Steve DeBerg. I mean, and just Brennan's good enough to just get you beat. I'm not convinced he's a top-flight quarterback, and I think we're going to be hurting. I mean, he he runs solidly, he's got presence, but he he's not a good enough thrower, and so we're going to be limited, you know, with with Brennan Armstrong behind behind center, but. Well, I'm so going to have to it, respectfully it, it, agree to disagree. Um, okay. I, I think I've seen enough from Armstrong and what I've seen that um, he throws fine. I mean, Perkins wasn't a great thrower either. And those, those other things no. are, what, are what make a quarterback. And, you know, he broke the rock for a reason this time. Um, and I, I – <laughs> You've got a guy who's a sophomore, got a concussion. He's only played about half the season. I, I think it's it's kind of ridiculous to make pronouncements of his limitations at this point in his career. 
So fair enough, fair enough. But uh, you know, it was good to see him back again, and you know he did. He did suffer a, a concussion and missed a game and a half, and he's still working his way into it. But uh, I'm not. And I'm I think the points. I think the results kind of speak for themselves. If you look at the what they've done and when he's been able to play versus what they did when he wasn't able to play. But pretty dramatic difference in results. Okay. Yeah, I'll grant you that. But, uh, you know, the we are still 2-4, and four and um, we've still got something of an uphill battle, um, you know, for respectability this year. Fortunately, and, there aren't know, any more top 10 opponents on the schedule. Well, that's true. I mean, next week we have Louisville. Mm-hmm. They're two and um, five, and then Florida State stinks this year, Florida right? Well, excuse me. Florida State stinks this year. Well, yeah, they're having some problems. You know, they've got I think a new coach this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Louisville jumped out all over them, but then Louisville lost last week. So yeah, it's a Virginia don't Tech. Really know how? Yeah, how good they'll be? Abilene Christian. Uh, that we added later into the schedule. That's sort of a, a strange school to, to pick up, but mm-hmm. uh, should have a talent mismatch there. And, you know, then we've got, uh, then we get to a crack at Florida State. And anytime you can catch Florida State down in a down year, that's good. Because, you know, we all hate Florida State. Mm-hmm. And then we close with a Virginia Tech team that I think, to be honest, we would rather have played first week of the season rather than now. I mean, Florida, Virginia Tech's won three in a row, playing better. So, I mean, this will be a nice finish for the season and a good challenge for us, I think, uh, you know, closing out. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we have, to, um, and after Louisville, we have a week off. We Louisville, okay. Saturday at eight p.m. Eastern time, and then the fourteenth there is no game, and then the twenty-first is Abilene Christian, and it's uh, yeah, well, four games in a row. Then Abilene Christian, Florida State, Boston College, and Virginia Tech. So. Now that week, that's going to be a pretty interesting week because we have on Saturday the 12th is Virginia Virginia Tech, but a few nights before that, on the 9th of December, men's basketball will be hosting the Michigan State Spartans. Finally, <laughs> finally ESPN and the ACC decide to give Virginia a marquee matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. After... Yeah, well, it's like, the, it's like they were afraid of us. Now, I understand, you know, the the last two games. Now, since we've been playing the ACC Big Ten Challenge, there's been two schools I've wanted. I mean, I've wanted my aunt, uh, excuse me, Maryland. Since, <laughs> you know, they turned to I know I did it again. Um, they have, uh, I wanted Maryland. I've wanted Maryland every year since they turned tail and, and, Ran away. Well, from you got him twice. Yeah, we did. We did. So that's been good. And I understand, you know, pitting us against Purdue last year. I mean, that made 
all the sense in the world from a scheduling perspective. Yeah, I have no complaint and, about that ma- that matchup. It, the last you know the last two years I think are fair, but I think we've definitely paid our dues. Getting stuck with Ohio State a couple times and Wisconsin that was too easy. And and I'm on the opposite side of the the Maryland matchup. I I don't I didn't think that either time it was that what we should have had. I, we were we were getting opponents that were slotted at least two or three positions lower in the Big Ten pecking order than we were in the ACC pecking order. And it was because sure. they wanted to you know, easy storylines where they wanted to create create matchups with other teams. And so we weren't, you know, we weren't getting Michigan, Michigan State, and all those when they're hot. And, you know, we were supposed to get Purdue the year before, and Purdue went to Louisville because they wanted the Louisville-Purdue story. And so I... I think that's I don't know who we got again that year, but I really I've not been a, a fan of the challenge for years now. I, I've kind of wish we could just opt out of it and make our own non-conference schedule. But this year it pays Ooh, off. I Michigan so. State. I, well, we, we've kind of jumped the shark from football to basketball here. That's that's my fault. And I know we've got women's soccer's got played two games this week that. Are pretty uh, important. Definitely want to get into that. Well, but, we we okay. But so, that Michigan State news is just—it's too uh, compelling to to leave on the back burner for too long. It breaks through. Well, well, you know, it's like I said. I, so I've wanted Maryland and I've wanted Michigan State. You know, mm-hmm. and we have a, a pair of NCAA you know early exits uh, to Michigan State. And I'm angry, and I want the I want the rematch. So this is the this is the perfect time. You know, we're going to have Florida this year as well out of conference. And so in Bennett's tenure, you know, four of our exits have come to Michigan State and to Florida. Mm-hmm. So we have a chance to exercise a lot of demons for Coach Bennett this uh this year i mean it's mm. obviously not the same as exercising them in the ncaa tournament but i'll i'll take it for now right um, I, I really yeah, i that, would that, say that, it's more for the fans I, I don't think bennett really gives a crap about all that <laughs> and i don't think i don't think there's a single player on this roster that that cares one bit about those those ncaa tournament losses because i doubt I, I doubt any of these players, um, you know, are, were even aware of those. They're probably, I, I'm sure most of them would be surprised, you know, to hear about that history. Because, you know, for for college kids, five, six years ago, that's that's ancient history, man. That's just, their, their time well, horizon just, is very it, different than yours and mine. Well, sure, sure. So. I mean, it's just <laughs> The wisdom of age, you know, it gives us a, a greater perspective. Um, you know, there's a great line from the, you know, the movie Sleepers, where one guy tells another character, you, 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 you've got these great stories, old man. You, you go way back, and the old man looks at him and goes, "Well, us old men do." Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, so yeah, we've got a slightly different perspective. But these guys, you know, players come in, and some of them are going to buy into the story and the history. And I, I do think it matters 
you know, Duke gets recruits every year to, you know, its brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they start pointing out, you know, Kyrie Irving and Grant Hill. And, you know, they, they go they go way back. And, I mean, there will be students of the game, and I would have to presume that somebody like Kihei Park and somebody like Sam Hauser, they've, I, I bet you they could rattle off, you know, Virginia's success and failures under Bennett. And I'm, I bet you that they have watched um, our loss against Syracuse. They certainly all saw you think so? firsthand. I, I would, yeah, I think so. I would be on the other side of that bet. I would definitely be on, on the other side of that bet, especially with Kihei. No, I don't know that it's those two per I don't know right. that it's those you know, two, California you know, kid. per se, but. Not many yeah, of like not many of our scholarship players really grew up following Virginia, watching Virginia. Right. I'm not saying that they were watching them. You know, they were you know paying attention to Florida back in 2012. Right. But I know I would bet that since being here, you know, they have had plenty of opportunity to to go back and study and to learn. And you know, there are students of the game, and there's non-students of the game. And I bet the students of the game, whoever they are on this team, are sitting there and are, are very aware of that history. And, you know, it's still part of that very recent history, you know, this notion that Bennett can't win the big one. You know, he's got a defense that can win the ACC and can make you competitive, mm-hmm. but it can't, it can't kick up to another notch. And that only went away two years ago. And, you know, we struggled again last year. I mean, so just about everybody on this team was going to be very aware of our struggles last year. And they were starting to creep out again. You know, oh, yeah, Bennett did it with the big three, but look at him now, you know, scoring 52 points a game. And he's got a defense that, that's really good, but this ain't going to cut it in the, you know, in the NCAAs. And, of course, we didn't get a chance to actually prove that. But I, I, I bet there are players who have who have since learned since they've come to Virginia. Um, this and especially, you know, when they're when they're seeing Michigan State, Bennett's gonna have things to say about Michigan State. So I, I would I would disagree with that. But be that as it may, we're the fans. <laughs> right. And these guys probably aren't listening to our podcast. So we're doing this we're doing this for other fans who, you know, like me and probably you, you know, you hate the sound of the notion of Adrian Payne. Yeah, sure, and, and we're yeah. the ones that it, that it means something too. It's, you know, we're the ones who've been here for, you know, I, I guess we're out, we're on this topic now. We'll get to the women's soccer a little bit later. You know, sure. we're we're the ones who were in the Richmond Coliseum when the game was called in the third quarter because the the moisture from the ice came up through the floor and it was just not it it just wasn't safe for the players. You know, and we were beating Michigan State in that, and probably we're going to win that game because we were the better team on that night. But, you know, the Richmond Coliseum, it was a dump then. And, <laughs> and, the dump now. <laughs> and it's a dump now. And, you know, so we were the ones who were, were who were there for that. We were the ones who were watching the game in Madison Square Garden in what is now. I mean, that's 2014. That's six years ago now. That's... It's ancient history, and it is definitely it's the you know the foundational history of this program. And you know, Tevin was fouled. 
And oh. It's funny because then, I, a couple of years ago, I was working on putting something together, and I went back, and oh, you know what it was? I wanted to chart that game. I was charting some of two thousand. I was going back after the system, the Who's Play system was in place, and I was charting that game, and um, I had forgotten about that play. And we get down to that possession, and I saw that play again, and I'm like expecting the whistle to blow, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Yeah, no, they didn't call this." And it when it happened the first time, you know, you're watching as a fan, and this time I was just watching it as as an analyst, and it, it just it made me mad all over again because there's just to me there's just no justification for not calling that foul. Oh, I know. That was, I mean, two hands in the chest pushed him away. I know. If he hadn't done that, the play would have gone the other direction. Tevin was in was in position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never. I don't yell at the TV. I don't throw things at the TV. But my word, I was swearing up blue streak after that one. I mean, that was just that was just the worst. Uh, probably my worst moment as a Virginia fan, just in terms of how angry I was. I was angrier over that than, you know, the Grayson Allen seven-step layup or or the, you know, the Syracuse collapse. Mm-hmm. I mean, those took time, and, I, you know, I hate Grayson Allen. But, you know, this one was, this one was, we were robbed. <laughs> and I don't think that way usually. I mean, refs call the games, and I don't believe they're they're crooked and they're trying as hard as they can. And I ref soccer, and I, I mean, I ref, you know, 12, 14-year-olds, and I miss calls. <laughs> right. So I understand miss calls, but that one was just, that one was just amazing, amazingly egregious. And yeah. It, it, swung, it swung the game. Well, it, it I mean, yeah, we, we it, it took away a chance that we had. But I, I will say, when I was watching that game and and I saw it again when I was breaking it down, they were the better team on that night, and they were. A, it was an uphill fight for our team the whole game, mm-hmm. and you know, yes, there was a chance there, but. Um, you know, at the end of it, they were they were two possessions ahead, and I think they were probably two possessions better. They were just a little better team, um, you know. And they were only sure. the four seed because they had had horrendous injuries. Through you know, they lost yeah, a I mean, bunch of guys early in the season, season, and they didn't get healthy until March. Had they been had they had the team that they brought to Madison Square Garden. For most of the season, they All probably would have been yeah. number one in the country. Because I think they were number one preseason. Well, your memory's better than mine. There, yeah. So. so, and that was that was one of the ones where, when you saw the matchup, you were like, "Ooh, Michigan State, really? That's a Final Four team, and we're playing them in the Sweet 16. Um, yeah. And of course, they wound up losing to UConn in the next game, but. Again, Tom Izzo said that was largely because of the Virginia game. It, it took so much out of them. They had they when they hit the floor two nights later, they had nothing. Yeah. 
Well, I stopped watching the tournament after that loss. So yeah, I, mean, I usually... I, I, re- I don't I, remember anything of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I usually did stop watching that after Virginia lost the last several years because, you know, after that Syracuse game, I, I couldn't stomach college basketball for several months. And the same thing after that UMBC game. That one... That, that was... Yeah. It was only the only... The only thing that brought me back from that one was feeling like I could not abandon those players. You know, what would it be for them if all their fans just walked away? Yeah. So I, I could recovered do it. pretty quickly from, from UMBC. We were, I was visiting friends down in Virginia Beach, and they were. It was a marathon. I mean, I think it was the it was the St. Patrick's Day marathon, and we walked out there, and I was wearing my Virginia cap and my Virginia's hoodie because it was cold. <laughs> that was all I had, and I was stopped by half a dozen fans, including two guys from Virginia Tech, saying, "Don't worry about it. We would we would love to be in your position," <laughs> you know. And, you know, it's a good season when you go in number one. I mean, that's why it was an upset, because right. it had been a great year. But I, I met this one woman who had actually been at the game and had, you know, exited pretty quickly. And she said she went to 20 or 30 uh, ACC tournaments in her life. And she said we were staying in, she said she was staying in the hotel with, I think it was Houston, the Houston team and, and mm-hmm. one of the assistant coaches got on the same elevator and saw them in Virginia regalia and was just saying, you know, it's, you've got the best freaking program in the country and you should not hang your head, you know, and these things happen, you know, you have to play the games and upsets happen. And I went from being fetal Friday night to, you know, that I recovered by Saturday, you know, by Saturday, late at you know mid afternoon so i didn't feel that one too as bad as i could have and certainly other people but it, it you know it was part of just this long succession of you know we've been a really really good team and we just haven't we just haven't hit the mountaintop yet and mm-hmm. you know we've talked about redemption <laughs> at infinitum and won't do it here but you know it, it the story you know, for all of us who lived through it, and certainly the players, that title had to be sweeter than any other title ever. Yeah. So, and, you know, thanks to uh, coronavirus, we're still the reigning champions. So, uh, you know, it's still that game set the foundation that we get to claim, you know, three years later, <laughs> we're still the we're still the reigning champion in the, in the country, or two years later. So, but... The Michigan State one, that was that was the one that I took the hardest because they were good, but we were, you know, matching them shot for shot for the most part. So I, I admire you going back to rewatch that one because I'm not sure that I could. <laughs> you know, it, you uh, ought to. You ought to. It was a great basketball game. Yeah, it was. And it was a great basketball game between two very good teams, and um, I, I never really had a problem 
with that one because I knew before the game that Michigan State was probably the better team. I, I was frustrated that we had the matchup against them because so early on, yeah. Because I knew that they were underseeded. They were better than a four seed. They were a Final Four team. And it was just because, like I said before, it was just because they had so many injuries earlier in the season and lost a bunch of games um, that they receded that low. And then the you know the next year we get them again, and they're a seven seed. And again, they were better than that. They were they were better than a seven seed with the team that they actually brought into the tournament. I mean, that's when people were joking that that. Tom Izzo did this every year. He would, you know, get a bunch of guys injured and so kind of sandbagging everyone, so he could come into the tournament underseeded. I mean, you know, it's just a joke, but it reflected what was going on in their program at the time. They would lose their best players for long stretches of the season. You know, Villanova went through that. I think one. I think the the second year they won the title. I think they were missing some of their best players for a long stretch of the season and then got them back just before the tournament. Meanwhile, we were keeping our guys healthy all season then losing them at the end of the season for the tournament. You know, so we're sure. you know, we're going in without a Justin well, without a healthy Justin Anderson and with um, we had somebody else was banged up at the time and then we're losing Isaiah Wilkins one year and then you know, um, of course DeAndre Hunter losing DeAndre Hunter um you know, so then finally, I remember after the season of the UMBC year, I was like, you know, if we want, if we're gonna have injuries, I I want to see I, I want to see an injury in December. I want us to get our injuries in during the regular season, you know. And then Kihei broke his wrist in December. I was like, all right, well, right there's there's our injury, and of course it didn't really cost him. Um, I, Much I think at he, all. Didn't yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, two he, games? he didn't. Did he not? He was out there. He was out there much sooner than I wanted him to be. Out he was. You know, what if he falls? You know, he was. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think somebody I, else I got hurt that it. year too, early on. But you know, we came into the tournament at full strength, and that's so important. Coming into the tournament at full strength, it makes such a big difference. Um, well, you know, you can say that Salt's back, you know, forced us to start playing more in the Akite, but <laughs> so maybe that was a. Maybe that was a, a beneficial injury, right? Well, it's your but, future. It's your future NBA players that you have to have when you. Sure. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go to the Final Four, you you have to have your future NBA players on the court. And that year, we had our future NBA players on the court, and we had enough of them. You have to have enough of them. Um, sure. So. I I actually took the following year lost to Michigan State even harder because we should not have lost to that team and basically we lost to that team because we couldn't shoot and Travis Trice in the first like quarter of the game couldn't miss and he was not it's not like he was you know all an all American player he just got hot yeah and again it was. We just couldn't catch. We just couldn't recover from that. Every time, right. we'd we'd get a basket. They'd get a basket. We'd get a basket. They'd get a basket. You know. So we're out in the second round this time again with a team that had a number two in the country, um, and a team that 
in any normal year would have been number one at some point. It's just Kentucky had their historically good team that year. That team was ridiculously good. Right. Until Wisconsin got them in the Final Four, but, you know, crazy. So we do, we have some good history with Michigan State, and, you know, Michigan State's going to be very good this year. They're another Final Four contending team that they're definitely one of the favorites to win the Big Ten this year. They did lose Cassius Winston. But they've got another uh, Rocket Watts is going to take over at point guard. They might get Langford back. Um, hopefully for him. He, of course, he was an All-American caliber player, and then he's had this stress reaction in his foot. That's cost him basically two seasons. Uh, but but he might be back. And they've got um, Gabe Brown and some other uh, – sorry, some of the names are escaping me at the moment. We'll, of course, break this – game down completely before it happens but you know just for now that's we know four of virginia's non-conference games and three of them are florida michigan state and villanova and you talk about a great out-of-conference slate that has got to be the best non-conference schedule that virginia has had in a lot of years well, you can't get much better. I you mean, really you can't, got... especially when, especially when when Duke and North Carolina and Louisville are in your conference. You know, so that's three right. of the most marquee programs in the country that you don't have the opportunity to play out of conference. And right. when you start fishing around for names, non-ACC marquee programs, those are three of the names that are going to come up first. Absolutely. So I'm absolutely really so it's, excited. It's a wonderful, yeah. This is, you know, after last year, you know, with us going up, you know, against the Vermonts and you know of the season, and this is just so much better. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an exciting slate, you know, from start to start to finish, and and even the year know, before the when we, the year we won a championship, the out of conference schedule was mediocre, you know, really kind of blah. I, I thought they'd been mediocre and blah for a long time. I mean, I enjoyed the the home and home with Villanova yeah. and the home and home with West Virginia, and you know West, those were you know two peak years for West Virginia. So mm-hmm. those were John nice Carter. games, and yeah. you, you think we ought to have more of those? I mean, Virginia West Virginia ought to be sort of a natural one would think, and apparently the two coaches like each other, mm-hmm. and you know they were you know, defense first programs, you know, I'd want to see more of that, but this year, this year tops it. And, you know, we're going to have a, you know, the ACC is still, you know, knock on wood, planning on releasing a a 20 game ACC slate. So, you know, we're going to have the same sort of challenges this year in the ACC again. And do we know who the opponents are? I, I mean, I know we don't know, the schedule, but do we do we at least know the pairings? Like, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I would. I really would love to get Duke twice this year. This is a year I would love to get Duke twice. Well, let's see. We had love them to get Carolina twice this year too. Sure, sure. I want. I want them all twice. You know, it's 
Well, yeah. That's why I don't really like the expanded ACC. No, the it was beauty definitely, of it was, you know. When it was eight and nine teams, that, that to me was the best because you got to play the round robin. Sure. You know, everybody gets their home ups, you yeah. know, and gets their, gets their second chance. And yeah, that's awesome. That's just, you know, it, it, these things happen and, and it's better. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, I would much rather <laughs> have had that. But, you know, regardless, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of talent in the ACC. I mean, we're one of the favorite schools, but, you know, we've got question marks. Everybody's got question marks. Um, you know, Duke's recruiting class doesn't look as high-powered as other ones they've had. North Carolina is going to have a monster front court, but an all-rookie backcourt. Mm. You know, Louisville's got, you know, David they Johnson, lost so much, who I'm expecting yeah. he- I'm expecting huge things from, but I don't think that's going to be enough to catch it. You know, and that leaves maybe Florida State without a ton of holes. Mm. Since, you know, Hamilton doesn't seem to care about a traditional point guard. <laughs> I yeah. always look at those teams like, who's the point guard going to be? And he, he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> no, <laughs> he know? has a different so, model. And I, we're going to yeah. talk a lot more about about all of this um, later this week. Yeah. We'll get to a programming note in a little bit, but I, I do, I do want to definitely wrap up the women's soccer season. The regular season is over now, or at least this fall, the fall regular season is over. Uh, excuse me, and the ACC um, season, and it, you know, for the women, it started with such a struggle, but I think it ended on a high note. They won what that three of the last four games, or. They have. Um, no, I mean, we did play two of the Patsies. Uh, we, we went up and played Boston College uh, last Thursday. And, I mean, just some of the worst conditions you can possibly imagine. It was 42, 43 degrees, mm. and it was a torrential downpour. I mean, it was really, really bad. So the whole first half was kind of, was kind of patchy. It took a long time for these players to uh, to get ready, and and we were better than they were, um, but we gave up a goal on a corner, and this one wasn't you know a headed corner, but it was a poor clearance from us, and they had a player hit a divine uh, half volley, but you know we we walked off with the win, and I know that you know these players, you know sometimes you have to play the games because they're there. And, you know, BC had nothing to play for, and they're not going anywhere. They're not going to the ACC tournament. They're not going to be in the NCAAs next year, next in the spring. So whatever games they play in the spring are just going to be a series of exhibition games. You know, and these women, you know, 40 women came out and played as hard as they could in just the worst imaginable conditions. And I know both coaches were really proud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, you know, we didn't suffer any injuries that were obvious. So given this injury rack season, that's a huge plus. And then on Sunday, we concluded our season going over to Syracuse. It was very windy, equally cold, started raining a little bit at the end. Uh, we jumped out all over them, uh, opened up a 2 nothing lead, 
but we've got a problem. We do not defend corners well. Hmm. And we're never, we're not the strongest team physically. I mean, Coach Swanson just must not, just must not be his program methodology, but we're not a strong team. We're not particularly strong in the air. And we gave up a goal off of a free kick had the same trajectory, the same setup as a corner, just about. And then they brought the score to two to one. We scored, and then they got a corner, and they scored off that. And I think we've given up five goals on corners in in ten games, hmm. and that's just unacceptable. So we're not going to be able to beat a UNC or a Florida State. Giving you know, basically, we're going to be spotting him a goal. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think we. I don't think we can defend six, seven corners, eight corners, successfully against the Florida State or a UNC, and that could be the difference. There's a. I wrote about it today, but defending a corner is is a difficult thing. I mean, it's kind of like a mosh pit in there and everybody's standing you know pretty much flat-footed from the start Mm -hmm. and you've got to go win a ball in the air and and it's an attitude thing it is it's all about emotion and a desire to say i'm going to get this ball and we don't have anybody on this team who's going to win a head ball that when it matters and it's a real problem Swanson, and neither of his goalkeepers are particularly active coming off the line. Women in general aren't, you know, as goalkeepers, so it's not like it's a flaw in our goalkeepers, but we don't have a goalkeeper who's going to be able to to clear the ball uh, unless it, you know, really comes right to her. And this is just, I'm, I'm a little worried. So yeah, we won, but we've got, you know, two bottom feeders exposed you know, a pretty serious hole in in how we play. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be tough. So, right, so we where start, do we end? Where do we end the regular season in the standings? We finished third. I mean, it was you know behind Florida State. We finished third on, on the base of Rollins. Yeah, Florida State won it due to a tiebreaker. Okay. So Florida State and UNC, and UNC got the penalty for finishing second because they got us in their bracket. Right. You know, there is very definitely a big three when it comes to ACC soccer. It's mm-hmm. Florida State and UNC. They're one and one A. Right. And then we're definitely third, but UNC has the penalty of having to play us, and they're going to be, you know, just like you said, you know, Michigan State walked away after us. You know, spent. Mm-hmm. UNC, even if they win, is going to be spent. Okay. Right, so after, how? What are Virginia's? Do we know when and who we play first? Yep. First game is against Louisville. Okay. And that's a great matchup for us. Mm-hmm. If we had finished uh, either fourth or fifth, we would have had either Duke or Clemson. Duke is just a pain to play because they they, they play so defense first. They're very well organized. They're difficult to break down. Okay. And Clemson just plays more physically than, they, than we do. Uh, they're just a stronger a stronger, bigger, faster team than we are. Mm-hmm. They spanked us 3 nothing in the second or third game of the season. So 
those were le- less favorable matchups. We are so far better than, than Louisville. It's not even funny. Um, I mean, obviously players can't look past, right? But we should we should handle Louisville handily, and then UNC is going to be taking on Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. and Virginia Tech is you know we we knocked them off twice in non conference games, then um, they had to they've come on a little bit stronger. They've won two or three of their last four games. To sneak into the, they got the, they got the seventh seed. UNC shouldn't have any problem with them. So, first game is on Tuesday, and then the next game is the following Friday. So, okay. hopefully, we'll see us play UNC um, in sort of a grudge match. Mm-hmm. Because if you recall, last year we played them in the ACC final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Brianna Pinto launched herself right. and destroyed. Destroyed our keeper, mm-hmm. and you know we had uh, Coach Swanson on you know last mm-hmm. spring, and I asked him about that, and he was far more sanguine than I was. He was diplomatic. Didn't, didn't uh, he said maybe he's saying the company line, maybe he really is, but man, that that still pisses me off. So that will forever be in my lexicon be the Pinto game, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm concerned, they have a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. Um, we still. Other thing that was a little disappointing. So our our defensive center midfielder, who would have been the heart of our team, Karen Torres, has been lost most of the season. She played with she played for us against Florida State. She clearly wasn't match fit, but she she played her allotted minutes. And then I was hoping that these last two games would be a chance to get her to tune up, and. She's missed these last two games. Now, I don't know if she was held out because the weather would have been just mm-hmm. awful and there was no risk, no need to risk her against BC. But, you know, there was no, there was very little rain against Syracuse and she should have played and she didn't. So, Taryn Torres is, while she's not, I wouldn't call her a physical beast, she can stand up to other physical play, though. You can't push her off the ball. And she's like a metronome. I mean, she's, I likened her last year to Kyle Guy. I mm-hmm. mean, she just never stops. I mean, she is, she's the fitness equivalent of Guy. Mm-hmm. And we don't have anybody who can stand up to Florida State or, or UNC in the center of the pitch. Um, strangely enough, our, our, goal, our goalkeeper, Laurel Ivory, played against uh, Boston College, but she didn't play against Syracuse. She's only played six of our ten games. And I understand a little bit of squad rotation to get your backup keeper some time, but keepers need reps more than any other more than any other position. And when you play on a team as good as Virginia, you're just not going to get those reps. And it, it just strikes me as strange. I don't know if there's something else going on, but I'm worried you know, if if she's not going to be fully fit, if she, you know, if Swanson's planning on using her through the ACC run. And then the third interesting development we had was uh, Lizzie Siraki, who's a fifth-year um, redshirt senior, 
she's a physical tough ball player herself. She can stand up to the, the physical play. She's pretty good in the air. Now, each of the last two games, she's displaced Sarah Clark over on the right, over at right back, starting off, and then Clark would be the, you know, her, her rotation partner. She started the game against Syracuse, played about 25 minutes, came off, and I was expecting to see her in the second half, and she never came back on. So Sarah Clark played the, the last 65 minutes, and that's a little worrying. Um, not because Sarah Clark's a, a, a step down, but I don't know what, what happened to her. I mean, she was walking gingerly at a one point, but she played for another five or ten minutes. I don't know if it was a slight pull or mm-hmm. a possible injury, but she's. Um, I'm working on the highlights right now, and I, I highlighted earlier. She's the one player who looks for what I call the post route for Rebecca Jarrett, who is just a speed merchant. And normally, under a Swanson team, our wingers play extremely wide, which means that they're getting the ball on the touch line, on the end line, a touch line about 35, 40, 50 yards away from the goal. And that's designed to spread the team out, and we use the, the width of the field more than maybe any other program in the country. But it, it puts the ball at Becca Jarrett's feet, and she's not a great dribbler. I want to see her, you know, a deep ball splitting the channel between, you know, the center backs and the wide back, and then let her run on the ball. It's She's terrifying. And we scored our first goal. You know, Seraki split that, split that channel, and Becca Jarrett just burst onto it and slid a real nice pass across goal for Alexis Banster to just you know, walk mm-hmm. into an empty net, basically. And Seraki's the only one who does that on our current team. And I'm worried that maybe she pulled, you know, she picked up a, a, a nick or something. So the injuries continue. Uh, it's not, it's just been a challenging year. I mean, I'm sure. Well, at least they get a little bit of time before, before they have to play. To, we do. So we do. And, and so that's, that's nice. Alexis Banstra, who was out, has you know is fully back up to is up to match fit. She's played, she scored four goals in four games. Wow. Uh, she's, I mean, she's a, a stud player, and we had, we suffered losing her, and now we're we've got her back. So we've had we worked some players back into it. You know, Talia Stoudy and Samar Gidry are both back and fully healthy, but we're still, you know, we're this is. It will be a major upset if we're able to knock off either, you know, UNC and or Florida State. I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle, right? Uh, down in Cary. So, all right. Well, but, we'll you know, uh, we'll definitely have coverage of the outcome of, of that. I guess we probably next week we may not talk women's soccer, but we won't the, the week the after is, the game is Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yep. So the week after we'll we'll recap what happened and hopefully. We'll have another game to to talk about to preview. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and a programming note that I alluded to earlier, we are for the next few weeks going to do a second podcast each week, and the second episode is going to be purely our ACC basketball preview. 
So we're going to go through all of the topics that we're doing on the website. We're uh, next week we'll talk about our well, I know not next week. The next episode, which is going to be in just a couple of days, we'll go through our all ACC awards and the power rankings, and we'll start breaking down the teams. And then in the second half of that show, we'll start breaking down some of the players, getting into analysis of of what you can expect to see from the players and. And uh, so we'll do that over the next several weeks until basketball starts. And that second podcast episode a week is going to be a subscriber benefit for our Who's Place friends. So, um, you know, subscribers definitely look forward to that. And and those of you who are not subscribers, that's another reason to go ahead and join up. So Val and I will be back in a couple of days and... We're really starting to ramp up for hoops. I know I'm excited as hell for this season. Um, and I uh, just can't wait to get to it. Neither can I. So we'll be back. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we're starting to hit the coverage uh, of the team on the website. I mean, I presume that you found this podcast through the website. But if you're if you've subscribed to this podcast, come back to the website. And we've got the we got the previews showing. There's going to be video that you won't be able to see. You know, we we can talk about the plays, but it'll be much better if you can see the plays mm-hmm. too. So, we're we're excited about uh, whose place offerings. You know, for basketball season, we are still the reigning NCAA men's champions. That's right. And you know, you can only make so much of that. But uh, you know, we are until the season starts. And then you know we have to the, the men have to go put it on the line just like every other you know all 353 other programs Division One programs. Although we'll have to see how many of them are playing. Although I'm going to bet most of them are. So we'll be uh, with you every step of the way. First game is uh, the day before Thanksgiving uh, against St. Peter's, and then two days later we've got that matchup with Florida. So the uh, season's about to kick off with a bang. So. Join us at uh, Who's Place. Join us on the WhoCast. And saying good night, I'm Val Prohaska, and good night, Seattle. All right, good night. Wahoo, wahoo.